the kill, and Warner wins the set. Fade away by Moores. Welcome to another edition of In Play. I'm Craig Maddock. I think it's awesome when a coach comes back to coach at their alma mater. The 2021 Boys Basketball Tournament, the Class B Tournament in Aberdeen, five of the eight head coaches were coaching their alma mater. You know, and the path on getting to your alma mater is always interesting. Our guest today has an amazing run in baseball. From Rapid City, playing Legion Baseball for Post-22 and the legendary Dave Plouffe, to playing in the major leagues, playing for the Minnesota Twins and the New York Mets, even playing in Japan and having the great Ichiro Suzuki as a teammate. He's now in his fourth year coaching at Rapid City's Post-22. It's great to have with us Kelvin Torvey. And Kelvin, Post-22, Oral Roberts, the major leagues, and now coaching Post-22. How did the love for baseball begin for you in Rapid City? Well, probably started with the both, both uh, post-22 and the uh, Rapid City Chiefs. There used to be a collegiate summer league in Rapid City, uh, the Basin League. And there was a ton of big leaguers that went through there. And so, um, you know, I grew up watching them. I was the bat boy for the Chiefs when I was 11 and 12. And then I was the bat boy for post-22 when I was 13. And, you know, you when you're in the dugout and you see these guys, how they apply themselves and how good they are and, and how much fun they have, both with the game and with each other, it, it just is, for lack of a better term, it infects you. And that's where pretty much I got my love of the game and my desire to just take it as far as I could. How about the family? Was there a love of baseball in your family or what people were influencing you to uh, look at baseball? Well, yeah, it was my dad, mom, um, it, it, our family was kind of symmetrical because as far as my dad's coaching, career is concerned because I had a younger brother and my dad coached me between eight and 12. And then he coached my brother when he was 10 to 14, our ages just happened to line up. So our dad was heavily involved, uh, in baseball. And, and it was, it was nice because he wasn't this, he wasn't overbearing. Um, you know, if he saw a lack of attitude and effort in us, that's when we, we heard about it, but he didn't, you know, he, if we didn't get a, a hit to drive in a run to win a ball game, he wasn't yelling at us or for men in there, he wasn't yelling at us. It was strictly attitude and effort. And even as I raised my two kids, that was the two, two non-negotiables in parenting was that they had a good attitude. They had a good effort. Um, you know, the results would take care of themselves. So, um, yeah, we had a, uh, we had a great baseball, uh, home life. What kind of an athlete were you, uh, in Rapid City in high school? When you weren't playing well, I, baseball. Well, I, thankfully, that was back when you could play multiple sports. And, and also, thankfully, in South Dakota, you still can. Uh, you know, we lived in North Carolina for 25 years. And by the time you're 12 or 14 down there, you better pick your sport because you're only playing one. I got a chance to play football and basketball all the way through high school. Um, and so when I got to ORU, most of my teammates were year-round baseball players. They were from Texas, Oklahoma, and California. But when I got to ORU, I wasn't even a semester behind them, and yet I had the joy of playing football and basketball all the way through high school. So that was that was quite the blessing. You know, Kelvin, when you get to, to college for baseball, certainly you have to have a skill set, but there is some something or something that pushes you to become a better baseball player. How did you do that? What was what well, what where were you what were you really good at, uh, and you needed to get better at? 
Well, um, the thing that drove me was fear. Um, you know, I'm coming from Rapid City and we're down, like I said, we're down at Oral Roberts and all of my teammates, like I said, were from Texas, Oklahoma, and California. And I'm from Rapid City, South Dakota. And I'm thinking, oh my gosh, how am I ever going to keep up with these guys? And so, you know, I just felt a responsibility to represent my town and I felt a responsibility to represent, uh, post 22. And so that, that kind of drove me. Naturally, you got to have you know, you got to have some ability and skill to at least get to the school. Yeah. Um, but what really drove me was the first year was just, I didn't want to let the town down. I didn't want to let, you know, post 22 down. And so I just, you know, I worked really hard and it worked out and it, it also helped. I had a, a post 22 teammate, Bud Bartholo went down uh, with me at the same time. So we were kind of in the same boat and, and uh, you know, we both really had good careers there. And so post 22 and rapid city, prepared us well for baseball at that level. Why Oral Roberts? Well, <laughs> there wasn't much else at that time. Uh, after I graduated my senior year in high school, I, I had nowhere to go. Um, North Carolina, University of North Carolina was recruiting me during the uh, my senior year, and they were pretty serious about it. And I had a nice scholarship offer, and I wanted to go there. Um, they, uh, my dad and I took a recruiting trip down there in March, and we leave Rapid City and there's snow on the ground and there's no flowers out. And we get to North Carolina and everything's in bloom. It was 72 degrees and they're playing the University of South Carolina, three game set. And I said, I'm coming here. <laughs> and the coach offered me a pretty good scholarship, but then he rescinded the offer. And so I, there wasn't anywhere to go. Uh, Wichita State flew me down, but they decided to go the, with the coach's brother as their first baseman. So I was kind of stuck. Hmm. And it was like late June after my senior year in high school that ORU came out of nowhere and just offered me a scholarship. And, and I jumped on it because there was really nowhere else to go. Previous year, ORU had been to the World Series, College World Series, so I knew they were a top 10 Division One program. Um, but it was either that or I'd just probably have to scramble and find a junior college somewhere. Well, maybe you didn't have to scramble as much. Maybe you did. Eventually, you get to the major leagues with a free agent contract with the Minnesota Twins, and it was the year after they won the World Series. How did how did that relationship begin? Well, you said year after they win the World Series. I guess my timing is one year off because I got to ORU the year after they went to the World Series, and I oh. got to the Twins the year after they went to the World Series. So, um, you know, professional baseball is a, a meat grinder. It's really difficult. Um, you know, I got drafted by the Giants and made it to AAA with them, and then I got traded to the uh, uh, Orioles, made it to AAA with them. And, and to be honest, Craig, I didn't know if I was ever going to make it. Hmm. And if I was a betting man, I would have bet no because I was 20 seven years old and had no big league experience, but I signed with the twins and got off to a good start in Portland, which was a triple A team And uh, Tommy Herr went down. He was a second baseman, but yet they needed the twins needed a left-handed pinch hitter off the bench. So I got the call up and, you know, I was only there a month, but my gosh, it was just fantastic. I had a great time and, you know, I got a couple of hits to help him win games, which was great, you know, gratifying. One home run. Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, but it was, it was, you know, just a, a culmination of a lot of hard work and just being in the right place at the right time. Puckett, Herbeck, Gaetti, Bernanski, Viola. Were you a little shocked, a little awed, a deer in the headlight look when you walked into uh, the Metrodome that very first time? Oh yeah, you know, I it, it's it, it's just especially after you, uh, you're in it for, I was 27, 
you know, if I'd made it when I was 22 or 23, I'd probably be young and dumb and wouldn't be as <laughs> quite as uh, deer in the headlights look. But yeah, the, um, the, the first game was in Oakland and it was just, I was stunned. That's the only way I can phrase it is stunned. And gradually you warm up. The, the twins were great. Puckett and Gaetti and Gagne and Dan Gladden and Brian Harper and Viola, they were fantastic. Jeff Reardon was a closer. They were they were great. And so they really made the transition a lot easier than it could have been. Um, but that being said, when you work at something as long as I had and never really thought you were going to get a chance, and all of a sudden, 10.30 Friday night, they say you're going to the big leagues, and 10 o'clock the next morning, you're at Oakland Coliseum. It, does, it is a little head spinning. Awesome. Who was your locker next to? I can't. I don't even. I don't remember because <laughs> we were only there two days, and so uh-huh. um, to be honest, I didn't. I didn't really pay any attention to that. I was just glad to have one. You probably slept in your clothes anyway. You slept in your uniform, didn't you? You never took it off. Yeah, I, <laughs> I, I did keep. I did keep it. That's, that's for sure. <laughs> but then it's the Mets. Two years later, um, you decided you made it with the Mets uh, for a bit. Um, what was going on in your life at that time? You know, this is nineteen ninety. Yeah, it was just baseball. You know, we, uh, uh, 87, I made it to the Twins. 88, I did not. But after the season in 88, I went to Instructional League in West Palm Beach, Florida to learn to catch for a month. And then I went to Venezuela and played winter ball. And so, mm. you know, baseball is a year-round job. You know, I we played during the summer. And then as soon as the season ended, I'd take two weeks off and then I'd get in the weight room. And so, um, you know, I played two years with the Twins, didn't make it the second year in 88. And then, uh, uh, you know, the twins were going to move on. They had a couple of prospects they wanted to play. So the Mets, you know, they signed me and, you know, again, I was in the right place at the right time with the Mets and it was much easier with the Mets because, you know, I'd been there, you know, I kind of knew what to expect mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, I had a lot better year with the Mets than I did with the twins just because I was, you know, more comfortable and, uh, getting called up the second and third time is a lot easier. Let me tell you. Well, then eventually, uh, I mean, you're getting into your 30s, right? Early 30s when you, you played in Japan and you had Ichiro as a, as a teammate. He's he's just a young kid at the time, right? If I, if he I was, Yeah, it was his, uh, his first two years in professional baseball. He'd gotten drafted. So he was 18 and 19 the two years I played with him. First year, um, I don't know, he didn't even have his driver's license because <laughs> he rode his bike to the games. Um, but you could tell the, the guy was gifted. And at, at that time, no players came from Japan to the United States. And I watched this guy play. And, you know, he was up and down between the big leagues and the, their AAA team over there both years. But you could tell he was really going to be good. And, you know, I kind of said to myself and to our interpreter, and I said, it's a shame that Japanese players don't come to the United States because I think he could play in the big leagues. And, you know, I don't necessarily think I'm a great judge of talent, but turned out I was kind of right because he came over to the United States and, you know, had a, had a Hall of Fame career yep. over here because he was just, he was that good. Why did you decide to play in Japan? Well, money, for one. They paid pretty close to big league salary over there. Um, you know, I knew in the States I based my base, I was basically an insurance policy in AAA. Um, somebody had to get hurt for me to get called up. And both my wife and I are kind of adventuresome, especially my wife. It was a uh, it was an adventure to go over there and play. And so we looked at it as such and we, you know, enjoyed our time there. But so, you know, just an opportunity to do something else. Um, You know, the road was kind of a ending in the States and the chance to make a little bit of money at the game. 
because uh, up to that point, you don't make a whole lot playing the minor leagues as long as I did. So that's uh, that was kind of our motivation to, to go over there. There had to be a time, though, you thought in the back of your mind you're going to have to be doing something when the baseball career is over. When when did being a coach or a manager come come to you? Not very, not very soon after I got done playing, because even when I was playing, I always viewed myself as more than just a baseball player. You know, I'd read business books and I read a lot of history and things like that. And I'd never considered being a coach, at least in pro ball, because, you know, I played one year in, in uh, a ball to, you know, two years in double A. And then I got to the AAA and I said, I don't want to go back and coach and start riding the buses in rookie league and A-ball again. Mm. So I got out and, uh, you know, got a job in sales and the packaging business and did that for 17 years. And, you know, I'm glad I did. I just, you know, I viewed myself as more than just a baseball player. Um, and then, you know, the circumstances had changed in the job market. And then I worked at a classical Christian school for three years as a development director. And all along, I'd coach my kids. I coached my son in baseball and coached my daughter in high school basketball and really enjoyed it. Nice. But, uh, and then post 22 came calling and, uh, I said, yeah, I, I, I would enjoy moving back to rapid city. You know, we'd raised our kids. They were out of the house. It was, you know, time for another adventure. As I mentioned, we were kind of adventuresome couple, my wife and I, and so I said, yeah, let's, let's move back and give this a shot. And, uh, I've loved it ever since. You played for Dave Plouffe for post 22. It was back in the, uh, mid to late seventies. What did Dave Plouffe mean to you playing for that? You know, rapid Cityans love their baseball and post 22 by far the, the best franchise of baseball in South Dakota. Well, it, it, it's, you know, it's something that you can, I can never repay because I played for him for three years and I had good coaches in, in other sports. Ethan Hanks was my basketball coach and Doug Kogan and Jim Hines for football. Um, but coach Plouffe was just, you know, he's a legend. He, he was there 47 years and he taught me more about life than baseball. He really didn't teach me a whole heck of a lot in regards to the mechanics of the game, but he taught me everything about competing about expecting more out of yourself than you think you have to give uh, about, you know, competing against the best that you can find. He just was gifted in the, in the sense that he would make you realize that there's more in you than you think you have. And, you know, he could be a, a little polarizing figure as well. He wasn't, you know, not everybody liked the guy, mm -hmm. but I, uh, you know, and when I played for him, I respected him and I feared him. He wasn't really a friend. And then only after you leave the program and get older that you realize what an unbelievable blessing he was in your life. And then he becomes a friend. And, you know, all through the last years of his life, he, he was a friend. And we would bring, when we lived in North Carolina, we'd come up here with our family over the 4th of July and we'd make sure to see Coach Plouffe. And he got to know my kids. And, um, you know, then he passed away a few years ago and he, he still missed. He was the best coach I ever had, regardless of the sport or level from, you know, Legion ball all the way through the big leagues. He was the best coach I had. On a 3-2 count, did he always give you the green light? Well, 3-2, yeah, yeah. I didn't want to strike out. But, uh, <laughs> you know, he uh, he just, you know, you played the game his way. And if you didn't sprint off, to, off and on the field or throw a helmet, he wasn't afraid to embarrass you and take you out of the game. You know, you you, you don't you can't really embarrass kids now. The culture is different, but 
you know, he wasn't afraid to embarrass you. If you show, if you showed him up with the program, um, and he saw it, he would, uh, he would make sure that, uh, you wouldn't do that again. There was thoughts of you were never going to be the, uh, manager, the coach for post 22. Is that, is that right? Is that a story that, that you've shared with me that at one time in the back of your mind, you, you were not going to be post 22's coach. Right. Well, when they were, uh, Mitch Messer was the head coach when, uh, and he started calling me and, and Tom Ruderbush was involved as well, um, about moving back and coaching. And the year before I moved back, we tried, but it just didn't work out because I was working at the classical school, which I just really enjoyed. Um, but then the circumstances had changed with the school and an opportunity presented itself to come back to rapid and coach. And I told Mitch and Rudy, I said that, you know, I'll come back under the only, condition I have is that I would never be the varsity head coach. I said, I don't want the job. You know, I would, I'll be the assistant coach at the lowest level or anywhere in between, but I won't be the head coach because I, I didn't, you know, I, I didn't want it. I didn't think I was qualified. Um, and then, uh, you know, after two years of coaching the lowest level team, our program had some transition going on. And I realized that, you know, if I didn't take it, you know, our program would be in, uh, in a, in a, that way. And I started thinking about it and I got my head around it and I said, yeah, I think I can do this. And so I, I agreed to take the head coaching job and I have absolutely loved every minute of it ever since. The first two years were great and being the head coach is great. We've got some unbelievable assistant coaches. Um, they know a lot more about the mechanics of the game than I do. In fact, I tell people the longer I coach at post 22, the less I think I know about the game of baseball <laughs> because they're so good at what they do. And mm -hmm. our players are blessed to have the coaching staff that we do. So I, you know, I'm, you know, I, I have my role, you know, I'm in charge of the culture, you know, and I do help kids with mechanics and things like that, but I let the pitching coach, Ryan Clapperich, you know, handle the pitchers and Nick Ewing and Jason hers. Jason's our director of player development. You know, I let them work with the hitters and the defense and, you know, I just sit back and marvel and learn, you know, I'm learning right along with our players, how you play the game, how you, you know, mechanically, how you go about hitting and throwing and fielding. And every day is a learning experience for me. And I'm just grateful for the opportunity and I'm having the time of my life. I think Dave Plouffe would be very proud of you, Kelvin. I think he would. Don't you well, think? Well, thank you. I, I, I do. I deeply appreciate that. Cause uh, you know, there, there's pretty high level. Pretty high level when, when Plouffe is in charge. And it's uh, whoever takes over post-22. They love their baseball in Rapid City. Uh, and you still are winning. You're winning ball games. What, 57 games your first year, 47 the year before? And then, I mean, uh, a season-shortened 37 wins, but you're constantly making the playoffs. You're still winning state championships. What was it like when you won the state championship um, in your first year? Well, it was, it was, it was fantastic because I, you know, it was my first one and I was nervous through the whole state tournament and the, the state tournament in Rapid City is an absolute beating. You know, it's five days long and you just, it's just, it's a crucible and our players, we had some great players, you know, the, the, the previous coach, Mitch Messer did a, he did a fantastic job. You know, he won four state tournaments in six years and following a legend is really hard to do. And, regardless of the field of endeavor, yep. whether it's baseball, football, following a legend is virtually impossible. And Mitch did a great job. He put a lot of things in place that I'm benefiting from now. 
Um, and so, you know, it's, it's, it wasn't just me, the guys I got the first year were baseball players and we just let them, you know, we let them play. We kind of got out of their way and let them play. And so from, you know, from then on, we're starting to, you know, I'm trying to put my imprint on the culture of the program a little bit. It's a little bit different than Mitch's and Mitch's was a little bit different than coach Plouffe. And so, you know, you have to coach within your personality but yet the tradition of post 22 is there that there are some certain non-negotiables that we have at post 22 that, uh, you know, I'm trying to continue the legacy of what coach Plouffe and, and Mitch put into place. Kelvin, how is Legion baseball right now? Does it need uh, some help or is it as strong as ever in South Dakota? Well, it depends what state you're in. South Dakota is strong. Um, you know, Minnesota's strong. There's certain states, but the, unfortunately, showcase baseball, travel baseball, has taken over American Legion baseball in a in a in a large measure in a lot of the in a lot of the states. You know, that's pay for play, and it's it just it's it's hurting the game because a lot of these showcase teams they just show up on weekends and play, and then you go to another tournament the next weekend, and you've got three or four new teammates, and you know, guys at that doing that don't learn to play the game. They don't learn to compete. They don't learn to be a teammate. And that's not to say all showcase teams are like that. Cause there are many of them out there uh, that do a good job that teach kids baseball, that, that do teach them how to be teammates. But, you know, at post 22, we play, you know, rapid city is on our chest for a reason. It means we represent the town. We represent post 22. We play to win state championships and regional championships and world series championships. So winning means something to our guys. And when there's no goal at the end of the season in sight, as far as tournaments are concerned, then you kind of get a little, you know, self-absorbed because you're playing for a scout or you're playing to get into a college. And so, you know, we're in a unique situation and I hope our players understand that and appreciate that, that, you know, we live on a bus all summer, you know, we live in a hotel all summer and you learn to get along with teammates and be a teammate and you learn to, you know, we bunt and hit and run, and you learn to sacrifice your stats for the greater good of the team. And so um, that's not the case in a lot of the United States now with with, uh, with travel ball. It's just there's not that demand for um, competing to win as opposed to, well, I got to play well so I can get into a college, or I got to play well so I can, you know, impress a professional scout. You know, we do that too at Post-22. But that's just, uh, you know, ancillary to our goal of having an excellent baseball team and being a good teammate. And, Kelvin, if if, uh, Rapid City was uh, further south, um, a lot of these kids, I bet, would be playing baseball year-round, but but you don't have that much of it right now, do you? you got a lot of multi-sport athletes playing for you. Uh, Right, and I would say half our guys are, and uh, at least half our guys. And we encourage it because playing baseball year-round is – you get burned out and especially pitchers, you know, the, the Tommy John surgeries are much more epidemic down South where you play 11 months out of the year. You know, our pitchers throw, you know, four months out of the year. And so the colleges that get our pitchers and the professional teams that get our pitchers, you know, our pitchers have low mileage on their arms. And so they're going to be a lot better suited for the year. You know, when you get to college, you're playing year round, you know, that's just a given. Mm-hmm. There are very few two sport guys in college. And so once you get to college, it's a year round thing, but 
you know, in Rapid City, they play during the summer. And then the fall and winter, they play basketball or wrestle and football. And, and then we tee it up in mid-March. And so, um, but the one thing that our guys do do is we do are very serious about our strength and conditioning program. Uh, Scott Benson at Benson Sports Training is our strength and conditioning guy. And if they're not playing a sport, they're in the gym getting stronger. And even during the, the winter sports, our guys are still lifting. And so um, we're, it, it's, it's really good to be able to play two sports and not get burned out having to play sure. one sport 11 months out of the year at age 16. And so it's really it's a blessing for our guys. Have you had a chance to convince any of your uh, former Major League teammates uh, to come to Rapid City to watch you? Anyone from the Twins or the Mets? Or you got Ichiro coming to Rapid City to catch a game? No, that'd, that'd be pretty that'd, good. That'd be nice. We if we got Ichiro here, we'd uh, we'd have a uh, definitely have a <laughs> big promotion. But you know, I keep in touch with Mark Ellis. Um, he really is still you know he lives in Seattle now, but he's he's interested and active in our program. Um, and so, with Jeff Andrews was a teammate of mine. Um, in the 1977 team, the first post-22 team that went to the World Series. He's, uh, he's been in professional baseball for about 30 years. He's the, pitching, the minor league pitching coordinator for the Texas Rangers. Sam Wolf is in AAA with the uh, Giants. Uh, you know, he was here all winter, and we talked to him, and he worked with our guys. And, you know, Tanner Kleberad was with the Orioles, and he just retired last year. You know, we, kept in t- we keep in touch with all these guys because, you know, I think a lot of them are like me. I never got Rapid City out of my system. Um, I never did. I never thought I would move back here, but I never got the town or South Dakota out of my system. And so I think they're kind of the same way. They're proud to be where they came from. And uh, a lot of guys, they, where are you from? And they go South Dakota and they, well, I've never met anybody from South Dakota before. And, <laughs> you know, here you're playing triple A baseball and nobody's. Uh-huh. So I think there's a, there's a deep pride in where we come from. And that helps, that helps our program because guys come back and want to, continue to participate in at whatever level they can in uh, in post-22 baseball well when you think about rapid city and major league uh, connections dave collins played for post-22 mark ellis mm-hmm. he played for post-22 you played for post-22 and of course dick green manager of the oakland a's all of them from rapid city you know when i mention those four guys what what comes to mind for you kelvin well, just the fact that uh, Rapid City is a baseball town, um, you know, and that's a blessing for post-22 because, you know, and, and it's funny, there there are towns that are that way. St. Louis is a baseball town. You know, Sioux Falls, I think, is a football town. Um, you know, Pierre's a wrestling town and football town. And their towns take on a, an identity sports-wise that is interesting. And Rapid City is a, is a baseball town, and it goes – you know, it starts in the Little Leagues around town. I mean, the Little League coaches in Rapid City do an unbelievable job of inculcating in the young boys in this town a love of the game. And, you know, they coach them well, and, and we get good baseball players because the Little Leagues in Rapid City do such a great job of, of coaching them up and, and, you know, and encouraging them that this is something that you can do. You know, if I can make it to the big leagues and Mark Ellis and Dave Collins and you know, Jeff Andrews coached in the big league. Goodness, if we can do it. You know, there's still kids and there's kids in Rapid City that, that can do it as well. And so, um, you know, it's just, it's just nice to be able to be in a town that the sport you're coaching is the, is the biggest sport in, in town. Two more for Kelvin here on In Play. I'm Craig Maddock.
Kelvin, what are you most proud of when it comes to your baseball career? Well, one, I, you know, I made it to the big leagues. Um, and I, I think I did it the right way. You know, I tried to be professional all the way through. Um, you know, I did what my managers asked me to do. You know, I knew what they wanted me to, you know, even before they asked what I was to do, I was prepared to do it. Um, you know, I honored the umpires. Um, you know, I, I never argued a call. Yeah, I never got kicked out of a game. Um, and the fact that, you know, I, I, I'm also proud of the fact that I can come back to Rapid City and give back to the town and to the program that has meant so much to me in my life. And so, you know, you look back at, you know, my career in baseball or Craig, your career in broadcasting, you know, and you say that there's, you know, what are you most proud of? And there's, there's really not one thing. It's a litany of things that you're proud of, but you realize too that, yeah, it was hard work on your part, but there were so many people along the way that play such an important part in what you are today that it's just, it's hard to say what you're most proud of. Like Coach Bluth and my, my uh, life and career. And I know you've got mentors in, in broadcasting that brought you along. And so um, I'm sorry, I'm kind of filibustering here, but <laughs> there's just a number of things that, yeah. that you're proud of. And I'm, uh, and proud is, you know, I don't like the term proud. I'm grateful for, I should say, sure. you know, there's so many things I'm grateful for that have allowed me to, to get back and, and coach post 22 baseball. By the way, the one home run with the twins, was it in the Metrodome? No, I was in California. Oh. You know, and yeah, off of uh, future Hall of Famer Stu Clyburn. You know, he, he he hung a slider, and I had managed to get the, you know, I ran into it and hit it out. And it's kind of, you know, it's it's, it's really nice to have a home run, but it's also kind of a, a joke. You know, well, Calvin, how many home runs you hit? One. So it's kind yeah, of. Yeah, but you only had like hard. 16 at bats or 18. Yeah, I you know. know right? but it, people, people don't realize that. You know, <laughs> well, you played the big leagues. You must hit some home runs. You must have, you know, all that stuff. And I said, well, you know, I try to, I change the subject as quick as I can. Let me put it that way. Well, you, you left it for uh, Herbeck and Guide and Puckett because they hit 30 apiece. Yeah. Yeah. So I let them hit the home runs. I just <laughs> sat on the bench and congratulated them when they, when they came in. Lastly, what excites you about baseball today? It's an everyday thing. It's a grind. Um, you've got to be mentally tough because, you, you know, you play every day and you hurt every day and you, you still got to get out there and get it done. You know, there's, a lot, there's so much negative in baseball. I mean, if you fail seven out of ten times at the plate, you'll end up in the Hall of Fame. And so I think the mental toughness that's required – to play the game is what appeals to me. Um, and, and another thing is the quirkiness of baseball players. Um, you know, you see you, baseball players are quirky because <laughs> more so than basketball players or football players, because baseball, there's so much downtime in baseball. You, you get to the ballpark, you take BP, then you got an hour and a half to game. You know, the between innings, the, the travel, the rain delays, Baseball players are really funny guys, and we've learned to amuse ourselves. And it's um, so that 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 appeals to me as well as just the uh, the personality of baseball players as opposed to other professional athletes. Is uh, you know, baseball players are funnier, and so and I know that's probably not the answer <laughs> that you expected, but you know the one was a serious answer, the grind, and the other one is the is a sense of humor that we we all have that. If you don't have a sense of humor in this game, it'll kill you because one, 
you know, if you're not laughing at yourself, everybody else is laughing at you. So you might as well laugh at them. But you also have to laugh at yourself because you're, you know, there's so much negativity in the game in regards to failure that you better be able to laugh at yourself and not take yourself too serious or the game will eat you up. And you're loving coaching post-22. I can tell. I can tell by your voice, Kelvin. You love coaching post-22. I, I do. It's, it's like I said, it's something that when we bring our family back and, and, you know, when we lived in North Carolina and I said, man, it'd be fun to coach here. Never dawned on me and never even crossed my mind. I'd have the opportunity to let alone be the head coach. And, and you know, I'm loving it and I'm going to do it as long as I, I, I feel that I'm doing a good job. And as long as the, the board thinks I'm doing a good job, I'm just going to keep doing it because I'm, I'm one blessed human to be able to do this for a living. If you like what you're hearing, please give us a five-star review on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. It helps us gain new listeners. This has been In Play with me, Craig Maddock. This is a production of South Dakota Public Broadcasting.